Welcome to the Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about The Gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. We are excited to continue our series on God's plan this morning. Uh, At Easter, we had a survey. We asked you, what are some things you want to learn about from the Bible? What do you want to hear about? And the number one thing that you said is God's plan for our life. God's plan is so intangent with God's plan, we are going through the book of Ruth. And if you're wondering, if you're nervous, that sounds like a book of the Bible can be a long book. But don't worry, Ruth, it is only four chapters. And so last week we looked at chapter one, and this week we're going to continue with that with chapter two. But we know God has a plan for our lives, right? Amen? It's going to be going to be a long service if it stays like that. But it starts with a commitment to God. And committing to God is acknowledging God. When you acknowledge God in all your ways, look at Proverbs 3, 6. It says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. He wants to direct us, but are we willing to seek him first? Are we willing to acknowledge him? If we don't acknowledge God as the one, he is establishing us He is the one that is giving us success. If we don't do that, we will not hear his direction. Sometimes we want to rush into things. We get caught up in the moment. Anybody, an impulse buyer type of person, you're just like, oh, I see that store. I need that. And that's okay with small things. But, you know, when you're thinking about buying a new house, you're looking at um, starting a new job, uh, going on a date with someone. These are big decisions. If we don't take a moment to acknowledge God in all our ways, the small and the big, we could miss out on the, what, the best that he has for us. And looking at the story of Ruth, um, it starts with this Israelite family, Elimelech, as the dad. He chooses to move his family out of Israel. And the Bible does not say that he acknowledged God in this move. Abraham in Genesis acknowledged God and God directed him where to go. Elimelech in fear chose to leave the promised land. And not only did they leave the promised land, they, they went to the land of Moab a people that did not choose to follow God. They would worship false idols, false gods. And it's a tragic chapter, but it shows the importance of seeking out God for his plan, acknowledging God in all our ways. Sometimes we're supposed to leave when things are bad and God wants to move us out, but sometimes we're supposed to stay and weather the storm and stay with God during those difficult times. As a result of this action, Without God's direction, the family experiences loss and death in Moab. And Naomi later heads back to the promised land without her husband, without her two sons, but with a daughter-in-law in Ruth. It says Ruth clung to her. She said, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And said so Naomi heads back to God, but she's bitter. She's struggling and she's yet deciding to return to God, and we're going to see today how God begins to provide for Ruth and Naomi. The title for today's message is A Work in Progress. A Work in Progress. Sometimes I'll say, to turn to your neighbor and say, you're a work in progress. I'm not going to do that today, uh, especially if it's your spouse. Don't say to them they're a work in progress. Uh, we already know that we're all, no one's perfect. We're all works in progress. God needs to do a great work in us. And so what does it take to... Um, to be a work in progress, continue to be progressing towards what God has for us. Um, A work in progress means none of us are finished. We are all in development. So we look at Naomi as she returns to Bethlehem. 
Certainly a work in progress. God is going to work on her through this story. Let's start the the story in Ruth chapter 2. Let's start from verse uh, 1 through 7. It says, Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain, after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. And he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is that? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. All right, we've got a lot going on here in this this first third of the second chapter. And I want to start, as the chapter does, by introducing this new character to the story in Boaz. If you look back at verse 1, it says, Boaz was a worthy man. Boaz is a worthy man. It means he was a wealthy, accomplished man. He has a field. He has, I'm going to call them servants because reapers just sounds like it's, a, it's like a zombie or like a horror movie. So I'm going to say servants sometimes for this. Uh, but he has a field that is being worked. He has the wealth and the prosperity to be able to own this field and have it gleaned. And I think it's interesting. I wonder if for just a quick second, God is contrasting Boaz and his family that they chose to stay in the promised land during a famine. And now we look at years later and they are a prosperous family. And you contrast that with Elimelech and his family that they chose to leave. And they have suffered tragedy and loss and now they've returned. I just wonder, I wonder if God is showing us the difference between staying when God says to stay and when we leave, when we choose to leave without acknowledging God. So we know a little bit about Boaz, and then we have Ruth coming into this new land, and she is referred multiple times here as the Moabite. It's a reminder that she's not from around here. She's a foreigner in this land, and then she goes and gleans for grain. What that means, gleaning, it was a social assistance program in Israel. Farmers were supposed to leave some of the harvest in the fields so that the poor and needy could take the scraps left to provide for them and their families. And so Ruth has arrived in this new land, and she sets out to do something, but she starts with this. This is our first point in a work in progress. She starts with a plan. Number one, plan the work. Ruth had to start by making a kind of plan. She doesn't make an intricate mapping out a five-year plan. She doesn't do anything of that of detail. She says, okay, I'm in this new land. We need food to survive. I'm going to go and glean the farmland so that my my mother-in-law and I can continue to sustain off of that food. She made a plan to work. 
because God's plan is not talking about a handout. It's acknowledging God, trusting God, and then setting out to plan to work. I think sometimes we use God's plan as a cop-out. You know, where, oh, I haven't found a job yet. I'm just kind of sitting here in my living room waiting for God to drop a job into my lap. It's not how it works. Oh, I'm just waiting on the phone call, and I'm going to become the VP of operations at Honda. Typically not how it works, right? No, we have to go out there. We have to make a plan. I'm going to say I might have to start at an entry-level job. I might have to go and check out where are some places online I can find a job. Searching out. Don't use God's plan as an excuse so that your pride doesn't take a hit. You with me? We, we might sound extra spiritual when we say those things, but we look extra lazy. If we're just sitting around and saying, God, I, I just need you to move. And God's saying, Matt, I need you to move. I need you to go. Make a plan. And I went. They're still going to go. How, how does the phrase go with planning? It says, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. You need to have a plan. It's good to create a plan. And the first start to planning, the first step, is acknowledging God. Pray and say, God, you know my heart is to worship you with my life, so guide me as I make a plan. Typically, we don't go wrong by doing the wrong thing unless it goes against clearly God's word. We go wrong by neglecting our relationship and starting with God first. Have a plan. Have a plan for your day. Is anyone, you, you've got a plan, you, you make a to-do list, you make a checklist for your day or for your week. I don't know what it is. If you're like me, you love making that plan, but the best thing about it is when you go into that Apple note and you click the checkbox and it drops it all the way down to the bottom because you've done it, you've completed it. Is anyone else like that, a weirdo? Just like you get some sort of fulfillment out of that. Like, ah, yes, one thing done. But you can't check things off of your list if you haven't started with making a plan. Start with a plan. That could be a lot of practical things. Those could be spiritual things. Saying, hey, I want to I spend 20 minutes in prayer today. I, I want to read a chapter of the Bible today. I want to text and encourage two or three people and let them know I'm praying for them today. W what are some things that you can put in a checklist? Make a plan. Look at what happens when Ruth makes a plan. Look at verse 3 again. It says, she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. Let me say that part again. She happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. She just happened to find this field, this place that belonged. She just kind of lucked into that. It was just a coincidence. I'm sorry, I don't know about you. I don't believe in coincidence or luck. Unless Shanna beats me in card games. But other than that, I don't believe in luck. Okay? I believe there's an intention. That, that joke landed well with a lot of you, but not my wife. Um, I don't believe in coincidence. I believe in favor. I believe in blessings. In general, I think there's a reason why things turn out the way that they do. And I don't always understand what that reasoning is, but I've chosen that I'm going to err on the side of reading too much into things and believing that God is too invested than err on the other side that God has nothing to do with it. Just my personal preference. 
You can't tell me that Ruth just happened to go into the field of Boaz, who was gracious enough to Ruth and who was of the same clan as Ruth's deceased father-in-law. I believe that as Ruth acknowledged God, she said to Naomi, your God will become my God. And she set out with a plan that God was gracious to her to give her an abundance of crops for her and Naomi to eat. This is a classic example of you do what you can do and let God do the rest. And that leads us to our second point because we're supposed to plan the work. But then number two, we have to work the plan. Plan the work, work the plan. Ruth didn't just plan the work. She then set out to work hard, gathering the grain, working the field. This is hard work. It says she's been at it since the beginning of the day, and outside of a short rest, she's been doing this all day long. Look at what Proverbs says about work. Proverbs 16.3. It says, commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. When are your plans going to be established? When you commit your work to the Lord. Not commit your thoughts to the Lord or your intentions or your ideas when you begin the work. Because we all have good thoughts, right? We all have great intentions. I, I don't know about you, but I feel like I've got the best intentions. When I start my day, I'm like, I, I'm going to plan to read all these books on knowledge I'm going to fill up with as much knowledge as I can. I, I, I want my body to be strong. I want to exercise every day. I want to run miles every day, do 100 push-ups every day. I want to eat the healthiest I can. Eat the kale and the Brussels sprouts. These are my intentions. These are my thoughts. And then I look at myself at the end of the day, late at night, staying up, eating popcorn, watching TV. I'm like, what happened to my plan? I didn't work the plan. The plan is only as good as you're willing to work it. Work the plan. Ruth had to come out with a plan, but then you had to actually go beyond and work the, work the fields, glean the harvest. Now, not only is Ruth working the plan, I want to actually turn your attention to the other character in this part, Boaz. You're saying, well, how is Boaz working the plan? I want to show you what he, he does. He says, he says, whose young woman is this? Who, who is this Moabite woman? And I don't know if that's the equivalent of today of saying, who's that girl over there? Is she seeing anyone or what, what's, her, what's her deal? I don't know if that's what he was saying. But we know that Boaz is intrigued by this lady. And this is what he says in verse 8. He says to Ruth, now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one. But keep close to my young woman. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you're thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done. And a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, 
under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. Boaz instructs Ruth very directly. He says, do not go anywhere else. Stay close to the ladies that are in my field. The young men that are in my field are going to take care. They're not going to harm you. I've got a strong anti-sexual harassment policy in stone. They will not mess with you. It kind of makes me think if you were to go to other fields, not everything was the same. And remember back to the very first part of the chapter. It, it talks about Boaz. He comes and he blesses the workers. And the workers then choose to turn around and bless him back. I feel like there's a good relationship between the employees and the employer here. That there was a love for one another. There was favor. And Boaz says, because of all, he says to Ruth, because of all that you've done for your mother-in-law, since she became a widow, moving back with you here, I'm going to bless you. He says, the Lord repay you for what you've done. Reward you and give you refuge. He says, repayment, reward, and refuge. This is an excellent prayer. And to believe, to have faith for a friend. But you know what I love most about what Boaz is here? Not only does he pray this prayer to God, not only does he ask these things of God, he also becomes the answer to the prayer that he's asking. You notice that? I believe it's God's plan for us to not only plan the work and have the determination to work and acknowledge God, but I believe we're supposed to work to help each other. Relationships important. Uh, community is vital for us. I love that Boaz prays this prayer and then he becomes the solution of repaying them with abundance of food. I love that, and this is a spoiler for later, but he becomes the refuge for Naomi and Ruth later on. Are you willing to not only ask prayer requests of God, are you willing to be the answer to someone else's request? If we can see a need and we have the ability to fulfill that need, what is stopping us? It's certainly not God. We're like, God, I've been praying for my friend, and they need help. They need a new job. They need provision right now. Aren't you hearing me, God? And God's like, yes, I'm hearing you. Did you hear me when I told you to send them a Kroger gift card to help them out? It's great to pray these prayers. We can sound spiritual, but are we willing to work the plan? Are we willing to be part of God's plan and be an answer to someone's prayer? I believe that God used Boaz to reward and be a refuge and say, here, let, let me help you with that. I know, come on church, there's people in, in here that God has put in your lives for a reason. And there are people that Jesus need, they need to see Jesus in you making an impact on their life. Boaz makes an impact on Ruth and Naomi's life. Ruth's life, as you can see here, but not only Ruth, Naomi. I want to show you how there's an impact. I'm going to skip down to verse 17. Now, some things happened in the verses before this. 
Boaz gives food to, to Ruth, and there's, I would say, some biblical flirting happening here. So if you're into that, like, kind of that rom-com, Hallmark movie type stuff, you can read that for yourself. We'll get more into that in the next few weeks. But I want to show you here what happens when Ruth comes home to show the repayment and the reward that she's received. Worship team, you can actually join me. We're going to close here soon. It says in verse 17, she gleaned in the field until evening. And then she beat out what she had gleaned. And it was about an, an ephah of barley. She took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what, had, what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? Where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Ruth gleans from morning to evening and then she takes what she has gleaned and she, she beats the chaff. It means it, it moves away everything but the grain that's left. And it says that there's about five gallons of grain that she has received from one day's work here. That's about enough for two people to have enough food for about two weeks. And one day's work, that's a good day's work. That's a good day's work. And Naomi sees this and she says, where did you go to get this type of food? Where did you go to get this type of quantity? This is not a Costco. This is way above that type of level of, of quantity. It was a bad joke. You don't need to laugh at that. And Bruce says, I worked in the field of a man named Boaz. And Naomi says, may Boaz be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. This is Naomi talking. This is the kindness. That, that word kindness, in the Hebrew, it's the word hesed. If you've seen that word before, it's an interesting word because it actually expands to a large, all the characteristics of God. Hesed doesn't just mean kindness. It, it means the love and the mercy and the grace and the goodness and the kindness and the benevolence and the loyalty and the faithfulness. It's, it's an all-encompassing word. And Naomi is saying, God has not forsaken us. The love of God has not forsaken us. The mercy of God has not forsaken us. God himself is character. It is evident to me the evidence is right in front of me that his kindness is still towards me. This is Naomi, the same person who a chapter ago was going through the town and saying, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. I'm bitter. I'm angry. God's hand has been against me. And one chapter later, she said, the Lord's kindness towards us. Ruth had set out with a plan. She worked the plan. Boaz was willing to be an answer to prayer, and all of this took place 
in order to transform Naomi from bitter to blessed. A change of perspective because people were willing to go beyond themselves to plan the work and to work the plan. And honestly, I was thinking about what's a third point for that, right? If you know me, I'm typically a three-point guy. I said, you know what? That's really it. We plan the work. We work the plan. I'm going to add a footnote here, but this is not a third point. This is a footnote. Because you could be in here and you could say, Matt, I've been planning. I'm doing my best. I'm acknowledging God. I'm working the plan. What else is there to do? The answer is nothing except for submitting it to God. Because you're not in charge of results. You're in charge of being faithful to God. He doesn't ask for anything else. You're like, the results aren't there. The the product isn't what I want it to be. That's not on you. If you are doing the best you can to follow God, if you're planning, you're acknowledging Him, the results are not up to you. It is your job to be faithful with what God has given you. There's someone here today that you're saying, how do I, how do I be, how do I get better results for my children? I, have you taught children the ways of God? Have you been faithfully praying for them? In other words, did you plan for your children? Are you working hard for your children? Then the results aren't up to you, they're up to God. If you're here and you're saying, my, my company, my work is just not what, it's not where I want it to be. Did you do your best to plan for the work? Do you have goals for your job? Are you working that plan? Are you grinding? Are you doing everything you can to make that the best? Yes, then the rest is not up to you. It's up to God. My relationship with God is just not, it's just not where I want to be. Are you planning? Are you setting time aside for God? Are you each day trying to be as faithful? No one's perfect, but you're doing your best. You could say, without a doubt, I'm, I'm trying my best. Then the results aren't up to you. Faithfulness. I want to end with this verse, Proverbs 28, 20. It says, a faithful man will abound with blessings. Whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. You can't hurry through these things. Be faithful. Plan the work, work the plan, and be faithful. And I wonder if there are some people here today. Maybe you're at one of these three different areas. Maybe you'll be say, you say, I struggle to plan. I want to have all these results. I, I want to work hard, but I, I have a hard time planning. I, I feel like what's the point of planning? It's just going to all fall and crumble. We got to plan what we're doing. Maybe you say, I can plan it, but I, I struggle to be consistent working that plan. I know that can be for me for sure. Can I consistently, faithfully work that plan that God has put in front of me? Like I said before, maybe you say, I'm doing those things to the best of my ability, but you're struggling to submit God, hand over those worries and that anxiety, those concerns to God. Would you stand with me as we close? I wanted to be intentional with our time and shorten this part because I want to give you an opportunity to connect with God and see where am I at in the progress here? Am I struggling? Am I failing to plan the work? Am I failing to work the plan? Am I just failing when it comes to submitting the rest to God? So the worship team is going to lead us in a song that says available. I love the song on the bridge. Here I am. You can have it all. 
You can use me, the plans, the work, it's all for you and for your glory. And if you need some time, we're gonna open up this altar area. It's funny, it's like a phrase we say, open it up. It is always open, just so you know. But for some reason, you seem more willing to come when I say it's open. So I'm just gonna keep saying it's open, just to let you know. If you need prayer, you need prayer along the lines of, of working the plan and things are just not going the way that you wanted them to and you need prayer, I'm gonna be up here for you if you need prayer. Let's just focus on what God has for us for a minute. Maybe God wants to speak to you. We do a lot of talking to God, but sometimes we do less on the listening to God part. And so let's take a time to quiet our minds and hear from God the plans that he has for us. God, we thank you for today. We know that you have plans for us, not to harm us, but to strengthen us, to give us a hope, to give us a bright future. I pray that you would help us to acknowledge you in all our ways. That's what we're doing right now. We're setting time aside to acknowledge you, to put you first and the planning before the work happens. Pray for each one of those groups that are struggling with planning or working or submitting it to you. Help us today. Give us peace over our minds. Speak to our hearts right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. The gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, believe in the God who is bigger than you, and become who God created you to be. For updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you. The best is yet to come.